Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a life with respect, dignity, and fulfillment. But as we transition into elderhood, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here are Phyllis and Rubina. Welcome to Senior Straight Talk, where we present informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. Our show, which began one year ago, I'm proud to say, was formerly known as Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. As with Seniors Straight Talk, all episodes of the previous show are archived on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and can be downloaded on popular podcast platforms. Please remember to click like and share our episodes. So, Rubina, it is so great. One year. I mean, oh, the places we will go. Remember <laughs> oh, the when, you, when you said that? I mean, it's just really, it's really something. I'm so proud to, to be here with you one year later. It's just fantastic. Yes, all the places we will go. It, it truly is phenomenal. And all the people that we will meet along our journey. Um, and we have met. And interestingly enough, um, so um, today is, um, we're doing this recording on uh, Thursday, the Thursday before Grandparents Day. So I think it's very fitting. The guest we have today um, is all about wisdom and our seniors and our aging parents. So I want to introduce him so we could get the conversation going. Let's go. And, and then you can tell us about what Olive is doing for Grandparents Day. Sure. So Jeff Rubin, who's our guest today, is a civic improvement, community engagement, and communications professional who believes that every individual has the right to be heard and the power to make a difference regardless of their ability or age. He's a man after my own heart. <laughs> he believes this to be especially true if there are decisions being made that impact the quality of any individual's life. A champion of inclusion and collaboration, he sees both as essential components in bringing about productive and effective change his book, The Wisdom of Age, um, just incorporates all the beautiful things about our older citizens. So I'm proud to introduce and welcome to uh, Senior Straight Talk, Jeff Rubin. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And congratulations to both of you on your one-year anniversary. Oh, this is great. You. Thank you. It's, hey. really, it's really terrific. Um, Rabine and I have come a long way and um, shared many things about our personal lives. We've become personal friends and, um, you know, shared our journey on this, um, on this show, you know, our personal journeys and our family journeys. And uh, so it's really beautiful that we've come to this point in time. Let me ask you something. I know you're interviewing me, but I must ask, how <laughs> did you guys meet? Ah, oh, great story. Um, shall, who wants to tell it, Rubina, you or me? Well, your choice. I can tell it, sure. sure you can tell it. Go I, ahead. Uh, there was a conference in Beverly Hills on entrepreneurship. I think it was called Elite Entrepreneurship. Something like that. Something like that. And I was a guest speaker on a panel on the National Association of Women Business Owners panel. And uh, Phyllis was an attendee. And the moderator during the conversation asked me, you know, okay, I've built an engineering 
consulting firm. And so that was my representation. And she's saying, you know, what's the next chapter? What's my passion? And I talked about Olive and my interest in seniors. So after the panel, Phyllis reached out to me and that was the beginning of our, we talked a little, that was the beginning of the, of the conversation. And uh, uh, now you tell from there onwards, but uh, right. what we've done. So, um, we connected, she told me about Olive and, and um, having, you know, a, a services appropriate for a diverse population, a diverse senior population, something I'm very pa passionate about. Um, seeing so many of our seniors from so many different backgrounds and our caregivers from different backgrounds. Sometimes there's a, a tremendous mismatch. And, um, you know, the difficulties that ensue with that communication and then as people are more confused, possibly. So we just, uh, we remained in touch. We uh, spoke sporadically um, here and there. We would text. And uh, then my book came out a year ago, February. And it became a number one new release on Amazon, I'm proud to say. And um, I was telling Rubina about it. And, um, you know, we, we just um, talked um, about it. But wait, was that, had the podcast started then? Uh, no, it hadn't. No, so I read when, the book. Yeah. Right. So she read the book. And then I, uh, she invited me actually out to um, give a little presentation at an olive um, function. Mm -hmm. Right. And then um, I was had planned to do a podcast with someone and that person dropped out. So I reached <laughs> out to Rubina and asked her if she'd like to sponsor the show. And she said, well, how would you like it if I was on the show with you? I said, I'd love it. And that was it. Very and, nice. And I was one week before she was to start. So, uh -huh. you know, and that's where we came, you know, all the places we will go. You never and, know. Uh, and, I, and that I was walking with my neighbor and I'm having this conversation with Phyllis and she's trying to convince me, be a partner with her, you know, mm -hmm. either silent partner or come on. And uh, my neighbor, when I get off the phone and she said, you know, I don't know who you were talking to, but whatever he's saying, you should do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know that that was the beginning of our relationship in Very being nice. together, and it really is. Um, you know, you talk about wisdom and how wisdom brought us together. You know, Phyllis, she has this excellent industry knowledge. My passion is to create facilities, you know, or programs. But it really comes from the fact that I'm right now walking through the situation, looking after my parents. Mm. My father passed away in, uh, in February this year, but my two parents living in Canada, 92 years old. So I am what Phyllis calls a, a poster child. And you're also, if they're in Canada and you're in California, <laughs> you're a long distance caregiver. Correct. Right. So and there's... And too many people are. Right. <laughs> and so I... Um, only child. And, and she's an only child. And, mm. and her mom has moved from, you know, being in an assisted living to then breaking her hip and going into a short-term rehab situation. But her confusion has exacerbated. So now she had to move into long-term care. So I've been with Rubina through this process, you know, giving her information and helping her to understand the process, questions to ask, what to look for. 
Um, so it's it's really it's really just been a beautiful um, development. And then earlier was it this year? No, Rubina last year. Um, Rubina had me come and moderate a panel, which is yes. it's so poignant that you're, you're talking <coughs> to you today on intergenerational perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, because well, you know that opens that opens up a a, a whole. Uh, avenue of discussion because I would say, uh, Rubini, you are very fortunate to have Phyllis in your life because she provides you with a wealth of information that most caregivers find difficult to to, uh, uncover. Um, And it's interesting. I've I've worked with a number of caregivers over the years. I've, I've facilitated conversations. And, you know, invariably, most people who come into the room are just overwhelmed by the role that they ha- they're forced to play. And when they're in that room and they're in the room with other people and they start to hear the stories that people have to say, you can almost feel the, the air come out of the balloon. It's like, oh, you mean I'm not the only one going right. through this? Right. You know? and, and boy, did I think I had it bad. <laughs> you know? I mean, what, what this person is saying. But the fact of the matter is, most of us were never asked to be a caregiver, never thought that that was something we would take on or, or, and take on to the extent that we are. And so it really is a question of acknowledging what the role of a caregiver is in our society and, and to support those caregivers. You know, here where I live in Kentucky, um, about four hundred, we have about a four million population, and a third of which are family caregivers right now, and that's wow. only going to grow. So, you know, if it wasn't for the family caregiver, our healthcare system uh, would collapse. Overwhelmed, it would have right. collapsed absolutely. Uh, you know, um, there are over forty-four million, I think it is, unpaid caregivers. Um, mm-hmm. in this country, caring for older parents. And yes. this year, the Rose Bowl Parade, for the first time, right. had a float uh, dedicated to caregivers. Mm-hmm. That's, how, well, that's great. Yeah, that's yeah. how much of a, of a um, national issue it is, but it's not really talked about on any national platform. It's something that, that I'm hoping that this podcast and other ways that I can, you know, uh, be on other shows or talk about this or bring people into the conversation. I think it's, it's something fundamental that, that we all have to address. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And I, I just want to echo that I really do feel very fortunate that I met, uh, met Phyllis. Yeah. And uh, yeah. as we speak today, my mom is being shifted from one building to another building into a private room and mm-hmm. we were just talking Phyllis and I and now I'll be able to make it a little bit more homier for her mm-hmm. and have not seen her since March beginning of March that's right. also right. difficult and we are doing FaceTime chat and we've had shows on uh, using technology to mm-hmm. to connect with uh, with seniors you know like you talked about the resources for long-distance caregiving. Yes. Well, you know, I was a long-distance caregiver. Um, I was living in Colorado at the time, and my mom uh, Mm -hmm. was living in New Jersey. And um, I have two older brothers who live nearby, and they were clueless. 
they had no idea what was out there and what was available mm -hmm. for, for mom to help her out. But you know, it's interesting uh, how I got into this field is I, I read two books that literally started me on my journey. One was called Age Wave by Ken Dykewall, and the other was Old Age is Not for Sissies by oh, Art like Linkletter. Art oh. Linkletter. Art Linkletter. Yes. I remember Art Linkletter. Linkletter, yes. Kids, house kids say the darndest things. Right. Say the darndest things, right. Yes. Uh -huh. But Art Letter's book gave me an insight into aging that I really didn't understand before. And it was about how elders did not want people to know their situation, and right. information was on a need-to-know basis. So if you were a child of an aging parent, if they didn't want to tell you what was going on, oh, it, it was like pulling teeth to get any information out of them. And most of us are reactive when it comes to aging. We're not proactive. Right. And so when mom breaks a hip, for example, or, uh, or is laid up, uh, where do we turn for the resources and services we need? And through, through Art Linkletter's book, I discovered that there were a lot of support groups coming about because of the absence of information. We had a lot of elders who were coming together to figure out what they needed and where to go for, these, for resources and services. But it was very interesting. I flew back east, spent time with my, my family, and I went in to see different programs and services that were out there. And I'd go in and I'd say to the people there, I understand you have a program to help people with Parkinson's. And they turned around to their, to their, um, uh, their uh, support staff. They said, do we have a program like that? <laughs> so they didn't know themselves. Right. And so what I discovered is that unless you know what's out there, it's, it's a maze and it's, uh, it's difficult to, to, to really figure it out. Um, it was fortunate. I enjoyed doing the research. I worked for the National Council on Aging for a number of years. And I was involved with a program called Benefits Checkup. I don't know if, if you've mm -hmm. heard of that. The program is still around. And it screens for every federal and state benefit program that's out there for anyone 55 or older. Mm. So literally in a matter of minutes, you could go from being clueless to empowered because it not only tells you the programs and services that that person may be eligible for, mm -hmm. but where the nearest office is to apply and what you need to bring with you before you go to apply. So it was a wealth of information that helped families across the country because it's free. You could go online put in some basic information that didn't uh, ask for your name or, or address or phone number or anything like that. It was based on a zip code and profile. Is it still exist? It still exists. Okay. It's uh, www.benefitscheckup.org. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, a marvelous program and, and very helpful to people who are dealing with these issues. Well, but the fact of the matter is, if you didn't know about this, Really, you were really at the mercy of whoever was able to help you at the time. So, and we didn't have the technology that we have today. 
I mean, right. technology is, is growing and changing every day. And the kinds of technology, we talked earlier about being an entrepreneur. One of the fastest growing segments of the population in terms of becoming entrepreneurs is 60 plus. Right. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and the technology that's being designed today is designed for the older population. And so and with, the, with the idea of keeping them independent and in their own home for as long as possible. Right. Because that's what we all want. If we, if we have our choice, we're going to want to be in our own home for as long as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. So it really is a question of, of educating people to the fact that we have this shift in demographics, mm -hmm. that we should be uh, not uh, be uh, afraid of it, but to accept it. It's a natural progression. And to look at the opportunities that it, that it offers if we embrace it. So take, for example, builders. They're slow to recognize the fact that if they design homes that are adaptable to the needs of an older person, that person is going to be able to stay in that home longer right. and be able to live independently. But that's only a relatively recent Correct. Shift. Very recent. Yeah. Very you know, I just want to, um, if I may, add something. I was listening to a webinar yesterday, and um, it was actually um, the American Society on Aging. It was kind of um, hosted, emceed by Dr. Bill Thomas. Um, mm -hmm. so it was really quite extraordinary. But uh, they said something that was quite interesting, which was that most communities have been designed according to a 40-year-old healthy male. Yeah. Really? That demographic. And if you think about it, and I started to really think about, you know, how profound that really was. If you designed communities for people that were older, anybody would be able to use them. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. would be able to avail themselves of, 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 you know, whatever is in the community that they want to access. You know, Jeff, did, wasn't it, uh, we were having a conversation last week and you said someplace they designed these uh, walking paths um, to encourage people to walk, but there were no benches for people to yes, sit Yes, in my community. <laughs> in my community. Right. Yes, yes, um, yes. So that's a perfect example mm -hmm. of, um, you know, designing communities that really doesn't afford access to a a, you know, a wide variety of people with different ability levels. And, you mm -hmm. know, we, we call people having people at different abilities levels, not yeah. disabilities, but they're capable at whatever level they are. Well, let, let me see if I can put this in perspective in terms of, of uh, my work and in terms of grandparents. We'll, we'll come back around to grandparents. I, I, uh, firmly believe that we are, for the most part, in denial about aging. We're not aging, it's the other person. Yeah, correct. Yes. <laughs> and and, and it, it's funny, I'll tell a quick story that I was uh, speaking to a group of retired professionals, and I was sitting at the table before I got up to speak, and one of the people there that I was introduced to was a retired judge, and he was, uh, I think he was 94. Uh, when I get up to speak to different groups, I'll start out by asking a question. I'll say, by show of hands, are there any old people in this room? 
Very rarely does a hand go up. And I looked at my 94-year-old friend, and his hand didn't go up. And so I said, well, do we know, do you know any old people? Every hand went up. <laughs> it's the other guy. It's yes. The other guy. So we know him when we see him, but it's not us. Right. And therein lies the problem, is until we're willing to embrace the fact that we're all aging, we're not going to look at creative ways to address the many issues that we face. But you're absolutely right, Phyllis. You know, when we talk about affordable housing, for example, that's not an issue that's unique to elders. Right. Young people and middle-class people are all being impacted by the uh, unaffordable housing shortage that we have. Right. So uh, if you're willing to accept this, it, it means that you are giving in to a reality that shouldn't be or doesn't have to be. Right. But let me just say that the World Health Organization back in 2007 started an initiative called Age-Friendly Communities. Correct. And the intent of it was to prepare communities worldwide for this total shift in demographics. You know, we have more elders today over the age of 60 than children under five. Right. This is a, it's a significant shift. And yet businesses are very slow to respond to this changing demographic. And if they were accepting of that, I think they'd be in a much better place to be, uh, to be uh, uh, I would say, profitable in terms of reaching out to that audience. Right. But we're slow to respond. And so this whole thing, that this denial, is, as, as, as we call it, ageism, which is more rampant than racism or sexism. Correct. And it's an issue that impacts us worldwide. And yet we're not talking about it or addressing it. And so I looked at it and I said, who says that somebody is old because they're, I don't know, 62 or 65 or whatever the case may be? It's ludicrous. Right. And this day and age when people can live to be 100 and relatively healthily to that point, how can we tell them you need to retire at this stage? Right. And so I said, you know, this is ridiculous because to a, to a five-year-old, 12 is old. Right. To a 12-year-old, 20 is old, right. et cetera, et cetera. So it's all relative. And so we also think that because you've reached a certain age, you no longer have impact or wisdom or value there's, you really can't contribute. And I have to tell you that, that there are too many people I talk to that feel, the term that one person said to me is, I feel invisible. Right. I go to the mm -hmm. store and I feel like uh, the, the person at the checkout counter is, is, can't wait for me to leave. Right. You know, they're, not, they're not receptive. They're not courteous. They don't take into account um, how I'm feeling or what my needs are. And that all comes about because we have this, this warped sense of who has value and, and, and how we uh, should be treated at a certain age. Right, right. And so I really believe that, first of all, 
we, the most abundant, and I've shared this with you, I said the most abundant resource we have in any community, in any company, in any organization is human capital. Correct. And yet we consistently marginalize people at both ends of the spectrum, the young and the old. Because ageism, which a lot of people think is just about elders, uh, it's discrimination against anyone at any age. And there are young people who are just as discriminated against because, oh, you're too young. I, you, don't, you don't have anything to contribute. Right, right. And that's changing. I mean, it's certainly changing. I mean, the youth of America today is certainly changing the mindset of what, what, what we can and cannot do. But in order to, to move forward and change this whole culture of ageism, we need to do it from an intergenerational perspective. We need to bring generations together. We need to help promote the kind of understanding that isn't taking place. And we need to address ageism at the elementary school level. There is no curriculum that I know of where ageism is being uh, 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 studied or age is being studied in the classroom. And, and may I just interject something that there are many more younger children being raised by their grandparents or live in a multi-generational household um, where they recognize the impact and the wisdom that's offered by the older person. Oh, yes. Yes. Very much so. And, and yet, uh, there's very few, um, uh, uh, I would say, laws that support the grandparent who is the primary caregiver right. for, the, for the grandchild. And so I would say to people, well, what happens if grandma breaks a hip? And there's only one of two things. Either the child goes back to the situation they were in or they're put into a foster home. Right. And, and we're not even looking at what's the value of a grandparent raising that grandchild. Right. What does it mean in terms of stability and in terms of, of, of that child growing up to have a decent chance of being successful in life? Uh, instead, we're more we're 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 more inclined to put people into institutional care than we are to figure out ways that we can support and cultivate what we have. You know, so, can I just? I'd like to just say something about everything that you just said, which is part of that is I because of how society views older people, um, mm -hmm. we we start to internalize that from a very young age, and it becomes part of how we feel about ourselves as we become older because mm -hmm. of how we've been, how that attitude has been ingrained in us from the time we're young about mm -hmm. older people. I mean, even, I mean, the language we use, it's, it's, it's every, you know, many people talk about that, but even the word old from the time you're young, how old are you? The word old is always reinforced in, in, in our language. Yes. And, and that, so. and that, has a lot to do with how we think about ourselves and our own self-esteem and our own value um, because it's almost like we take that on from society. And Very that's something so. that, has to, that has to change. Yes. Uh, well, and the things we say about ourselves. You right. Know, I'm having a senior moment. moment right. Oh, you know, it's, it's yes. never I'm having a junior moment. You know, right. I'm having, I'm a, having a senior moment. Right, right, right. right. And, and or, what's wrong with having a senior moment anyway? Right, right, right. If you're a senior, have a senior <laughs> moment. moment. Yeah. Enjoy it. Embrace yes. it. I don't know. Have a glass of wine or whatever you have. <laughs> have coffee. Whatever. Yes. You know. Yeah.
But people who say, well, you know, when you get to be my age. Right, exactly. Which is and, can, and, and that, that term covers anybody. I mean, yeah. I have friends in their 40s and 50s that say that. Absolutely. I'm saying if you're, if you're saying that now, what are you going to say when you're 70 or 80 right. or 90, you know? Right. So you have a right have, to say it then. We have, to take a, we have to take a short break. When we come oh. back, we'll uh, talk more about all of this. And I want to hear about Grandparents' Day for that all of okay. celebrating. So we'll be back in a few moments on Seniors' okay. Break Home. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Phyllis Amon, owner of Phyllis Amon Associates, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones and coaches them to become more effective advocates. Her expertise comes from working in over 45 nursing homes. Phyllis, known for her passion, empathy, high-quality care standards, and quality life for older adults, is an experienced educator, speaker, and trainer. She's bridged the gap from healthcare to public and private sector businesses on topics from communication, caregiving, empathy, and novel approaches to team building and leadership. Rubina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of all of Community Services, a 501c3 providing support services to seniors, families, and the community. Olive's Live, Learn, and Thrive programs engage seniors physically, mentally, and socially. Rubina's passion for seniors stems from her experiences as an only child, living miles away from her aging parents who are over 90 years of age. She understands the issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org for further information. In the best of times, nursing home residents suffer from isolation and loneliness. Because of COVID-19, senior residents are missing out on connecting with family and friends. You can change this. Video chats help them stay connected with loved ones. You can help to change a nursing home resident's life. Please help us purchase mobile devices so they can stay connected because senior connections matter. Click the banner on the show page or visit GoFundMe.com now and search for Senior Connections Matter. Connecting seniors through technology to make your donation. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email the hosts at phyllis at seniorstraighttalk.com. Now, back to Senior Straight Talk. Welcome back to Senior Straight Talk. I'm Rubina Chaudhary with uh, my co-host Phyllis, and we're having a delightful conversation with our our guest, Jeff Rubin, about uh, wisdom of age. And uh, it's, it's an ageism the opportunities that intergenerational programs offer and how we really need to work towards changing the paradigm of how we think about age, old people, and even our 
our language, our words. Uh, so let's uh, let's continue that uh, that conversation. Jeff, you uh, shared with us how you got started, but what led you to write the book? And share well, us a little bit about the book you've written. Okay, uh, I I like I said, I, I really thought it was it was just ludicrous to 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 define somebody by a number or a wrinkle, and yet. Because we're in such denial or that we, we don't want to grow old, you know, Andy Rooney, I believe, said, uh, we all want to live longer, but nobody wants to grow old. Right. So, you know, it, it, it really is a question of getting people to recognize that this is silly because every one of us is aging. What's the alternative? You know, <laughs> and so, uh, and yet, you know, when I talk to different people, I mean, right now, just put it in perspective, there are 55 million Americans who are 65 and older right now in the United States. Right. In 10 years, there'll be 70 million yep. people 65 and older. Okay? Yet, we look at that and say, there was an article in uh, New York Times op-ed page back in 2015, not that long ago, it said old people will be seen as a drain on the resources yep. of society rather than an asset. Okay. So we're already setting them up for, for, for um, being seen as a detriment, not an not a, uh, opportunity. And I've never subscribed to that. Matter of fact, when I first got into this field, my background is in journalism. But I had been in the aging field for over 25 years. And I started out with a marvelous program called the Senior Companion Program. Federally funded program, part of the Corporation for National and Community Service, which uh, promotes AmeriCorps VISTA Learn and Serve. But there is a component there called the Senior Service Program or Senior Service Corps. And there's three programs. There's foster grandparents, RSVP, RSVP, and the senior companion program. Now, RSVP is you can volunteer to be a docent uh, or something like that. But the other two programs are stipended programs that give low-income individuals the opportunity to volunteer. And at first you would say, well, could they, would they even think of volunteering? The stipend doesn't count against their benefits, so they're not being penalized for volunteering. They don't get a whole lot in the stipend, but they do get the opportunity to help others, and by helping others, they're helping themselves. And so I had people in my program that ranged in age from 60, which was the entrance age, to 91. They each were putting in 20 hours of service a week so 200,000 hours of service annually, working with three to five, what they called their clients. And they would visit them in their home. They would maybe take them grocery shopping or, or do a variety of things that would help people maintain their independence. And it was funny because we had a, a, an annual um, uh, celebration, which we, do, we did every year. And I had a 91-year-old lady who pulled me aside at the luncheon and said, now, Jeff, I don't want you to think because you had this big to do that I'm ready to retire. She said, 
my seniors need me. Now, her seniors were 10 to 15 years younger than her. But in her mind, her seniors needed her. But I had seen people come into the program with very low self-esteem. And in a matter of weeks, because they were helping someone else. Right. There was such a transformation in their, in, in their physical appearance and a, and a reason to get up in the morning and a reason to serve. And I'll tell you something. That program's been around now for 50 years. It's in every state. And I will tell you that when I talk about that program, people say, I never heard of it. Right. I, I haven't. And, 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 and they don't think of seniors in terms of volunteers. Or in terms of a resource. Right. Right. And so I learned early on that we see seniors as the recipients of service, not the providers of service. Correct. And that's where we're missing out. Right. And so looking at that and looking at Grandparents' Day, by the way, Grandparents' Day is relatively young in comparison to Mother's Day or Father's Day. Yes, it is. And it started by a family, I believe, in West Virginia that wanted to honor their, their, uh, their mother. And... It took on a life of its own, but I want to share something with you that uh, I found. Let me see if I can find this real quick. Uh, the purpose behind, there were three purposes for, the, for Grandparents' Day. One is to commemorate and pay respect to grandparents. Yeah. Two is to recognize the importance that older people can have on the lives of the young. Mm-hmm. And three is to give grandparents the opportunity to show love and support for their children's children. Right. Right. Simple. Simple. I remember we went through that when, um, well, last year when we had our show and we talked about Grandparents Day, it was a woman from West Virginia, I believe. Yeah. Yes. And yes. that's and it was one woman and she I don't know oh. what that was. She started this movement and um, wound up um, establishing I, I forgot, was it President um, Johnson or President yeah, Nixon, or was it Nixon that established a Grandparents Day? Yeah, no, this is this is really beautiful. And uh, 1978, Jeff, uh, 1978. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Carter, I believe. Oh, Jimmy Carter, that's right. Yeah, Isn't that's right? a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, this is this is beautiful, and uh, we haven't gotten to the story of your book yet, but I do want to uh, add something here that one of Olive's program is called Olive Friends, where we are providing friendships. And we've been looking at the RSVP program, but I think the Senior Companion Program would be an excellent program for us to pursue. So thank you for that. And there's there's another area that's an offshoot of that, that's my passion, and that's to create businesses, you know, um, social enterprises, where seniors can work 10 hours, four hours, and it's creating value, and it then mm-hmm. funds further programming. Yes. And, and that's where I hope to bring my business experience there. Okay. Well, Bean, I'd be happy to share information or send information to you about that program. We'd and, love and, to write a grant application or right. your guidance yeah. in that one, because we're now ready. Olive is okay. 40 years old, and we have the history. Okay. And, and, and I had, um, you know, when Rubina, when she told, when we first talked about this, because I also, something I'm concerned about is all these, um, you know, there are over 1 million people living in our nation's nursing homes. Not all of them have families or some have families that live a distance away. So 
um, you know, when I was talking about it, Rubina told me about the Olive Friends program because I was saying, wouldn't it be wonderful to have somebody from the community kind of like adopt, you know what I mean, kind of have mm -hmm. like a, a pen pal kind of situation, a friend situation with somebody in a nursing home or a few people in a nursing home so that they would get visits, that if they did mm -hmm. need something, that they would have a connection with the world with the outside world. You know, I just want to read something, if you don't mind. I came across it earlier today. It's actually on, I think it's uh, the Consumer Voice website. And it says, um, aging has been described as living with diminishing opportunity and diminishing capacity. The closeness of nursing home life intensifies the sense of diminishing opportunities for me. Yes, I have choices, but they are generally no longer choices of my own. So I am treading water. It's about staying afloat and not necessarily moving forward. Mm -hmm. I think nursing home life may always feel this way. And my task is to keep my head above water and keep breathing. And that was mm -hmm. from a woman in a nursing home in West Virginia. Right. Well, a lot of people don't know that, that the, the average person in a nursing home gets maybe one visit a year. Uh, correct. That yeah. this is, and I've worked in over 45 skilled nursing facilities, so I, I've seen it. I've experienced it. You know, the, the people who work in the nursing home become those people's family mm -hmm. in many Absolutely. cases. Yeah. Well, um, let me, in the time we have left, I, I, I want to get to your, your question, Rabin, about my book. Um, but I do want to say there's a lot of good things happening out there that people don't know about. And Somebody once said to me, you know, I see a lot of sparks, but I don't see a fire. And, and, and what I'm trying to do is bring that, those sparks together and, and ignite a fire. But there are people who um, are going into nursing homes and bringing young people in to uh, uh, hear what that person's story is, ask them right. questions and write their stories for them. And so it's a win-win all the way around. There's another that's bringing students in to um, capture the music of their times mm -hmm. so that they have a recording of the different music and they can listen to. But it's bringing generations together, yeah. which is a win-win for everyone. And we're not, we're just not doing that. So um, where, with my book, I started out as a research project and I had five questions. And I went to the superintendent of schools in my area and I said, look, I'd like to see if I could ask these questions in, in, the, in the school system. And I wanted to know, first of all, the first name of the person, how old they were. I wanted to know if they knew any old people, how old they thought was old, and what's one bit of advice they would give to somebody younger than themselves. Mm -hmm. And they, the, the feeling was that maybe we'd get a few responses and what have you. Well, it took on a life of its own. And I got responses from children as young as five, all the way up to senior high school. And then I went on from there. Mm -hmm. So I, I've literally collected uh, wisdom, if you will, thoughts and insights from people as young as five to my oldest is 103. Oh, wow. And the beauty of it is that you find such clarity from the people at one end of the spectrum and the other. It's the people in the middle who have forgotten or lost their way. Right, right, right. And, and what happens is that people will read something. Let me see if I can find one specific example that I'm looking for. Here's a quote. It says, you are beautiful and handsome, 
no matter what anybody else may say, just because of your age doesn't mean you can't make a change in the world. Love yourself and always know you are special. Now, if you didn't know who said that, you might be inclined to think someone who might be older. Um, <clears throat> well, this particular quote was by a young lady named Sophia, age nine. Okay. Now, there are people who are going through uh, self-esteem issues mm -hmm. who are at various stages of life. I've had people tell me that this particular quote from this young lady, this, this little girl, made a difference in their life. And so what, I, what, it, what it speaks to is the fact that you can find wisdom at any age if you're willing to take the time to listen. Right. And that's what's happening. Now, what I'm doing with this, I've used the book to bring small groups together. It can be peer-to-peer -peer or it could be intergenerational. And I'll have them pick something from the book that appeals to them, a saying that somebody might say. Um, for example, one cannot be judged by age. Just as every 20-year-old is very different in intelligence, maturity, and judgment, so is everyone at every age. Well, Ginger, age 80, had that to say. But if somebody finds something that resonates with them, they lead the conversation in that group where people can give their perspective on that. And so you're hearing it from a young person, you're hearing it from an older person. And what's happening is you're beginning to get people to see that, you know, we're, we, we all have similar experiences at different points in our life. We have more in common than we have differences. And it breaks down the barriers. We begin to see people differently. Well, I'm also using this not only to have that kind of breakthrough conversation, but now move to the kinds of issues that the World Health Organization is dealing with, which is quality of life issues, housing, transportation. How come there's no benches in our, in our parks? You know? um, and getting those people to come together the young and the old, to address those issues. So the issues may be unique to them or their community. And that then brings in the people who are normally marginalized, right. not asked to contribute, feel invisible, feel like nobody's ever asked them what they think. And I've always believed that we empower people just by saying, what do you think? Right, absolutely. And there's mm -hmm. too many people that have never been asked, what do you think? And, and I believe that people at any age have, as, I, as you said in the beginning, have the right to be heard and should have the opportunity to make a difference. Right. You know, I, I'll close on this note and say I, I, uh, I helped start an age-friendly movement here in, in Kentucky. And I talked to a group of professionals, and we talked about aging. And they would say, they would say it in terms of their clients, their customers, right. their patients. Right. They never talked about it in terms of themselves. Right. And that's and, – and so what it says is we still have a long way to go in terms of educating people mm -hmm. that, wait a minute, sooner or later, this is going to be us. Right. And right. if we don't do something now to change this culture of ageism – 
nothing's going to change for us as we get older. You, you know, I, I just want to just say one thing on that, and, and then I want Rubina to talk about Olive's grandparents' day, but... Um, you know, people almost treat it like it's a, like it's it's a, something you don't want to happen to you. Like it's you, it's a cold you don't want to catch. It's over <laughs> there. It's about those people. It's not yeah. never going to be me. Um, you know, it's something outside of yourself. Uh, the reality is, oh, the three of us are older than when we started this conversation um, mm -hmm. almost an hour ago. So right. it, it's it's a you know, it's like you say, what's the alternative? Um, right. I remember years ago, I was talking to this gentleman, he was visiting someone in a nursing home. And I asked him how he was on that particular day. And he said, great. And I was like, you know, not that many people say that. So I was like, wow, I'm glad to hear that. I, what makes you say that? He said, because I'm looking at the grass from the top up instead of from the um, from the, uh, from, the, <laughs> from the bottom up. And um, uh -huh. I thought about that and I said, it's just what you're saying. You know, what, what's the alternative? The alternative right. is, um, so Rubina, tell us a little bit about what Olive is doing for Grandparents Day this year. Um, happily, happily. This is our second annual Grandparents Day. We had a beautiful event last year in a park. I think we had close to 150, 160 people come. And the way we framed it was that it's Grandparents Day, but it's for the whole family. And the reason we're calling it Grandparents Day, because they are the ones who are being honored. Right. Not a picnic where you go and the children are the priority, you know, that right. we were highlighting. We had a beautiful, beautiful event. And of course, this year we're in the time of COVID. We thought of doing a drive-through you know, come by and, and do a, a gift, etc. But then, you know, California started going up in the COVID counts again, and our age group are being encouraged to stay. So we, we are going virtual, and our regional TV program, Shura TV, they are partnering with us, and we will do, be doing a one-hour program on Sunday, which is, um, what is it, 13th? The 13th. 13th, yes. 13th of September. It's usually the the Sunday after Labor Day, Day. that's uh, celebrated as Grandparents' Day. And in preparation, our grandparents were asked to submit pictures of their grandchildren, their family. Uh, the Olive board members were asked to give one minute of video advice to to the youth. Uh, there is a poster. Uh, through our, one of our Olive programs, Connect and Create, there was a poster contest. And then there was this, um, for grandchildren, family member to send a recognition, you know, some video, something, what they think of their grandparent. We haven't seen anything. Uh, so that's, uh, that's coming forward, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, and I think it's going to be a great program. And there, of course, some awards and draws and prizes, right. etc. cetera. Uh, it's going to be on Olive Community Services, uh, Facebook, as, as well as it's going to be on Olive um, YouTube channel. And also it will be on Shura TV YouTube channel on Sunday at, uh, at uh, 2 p.m. So please- 2 p.m. Pacific time, correct? Also, yes, yes, we forget that, huh? So this is the beautiful beauty of technology. Right. Here we mm -hmm. are, three different parts of country. Yes, right. two p.m. Pacific. We have to be mindful of uh, of uh, specifying the the time zone. 
you know, um, so we're really looking forward to it and want people to, to join us. And it, again, will be available on YouTube to watch afterwards mm-hmm. if people don't get to see it. But as you were talking about the programs and intergenerational program and age and the wisdom, one, I, one thing I want to share with you um, briefly is that one of our, our coordinator's daughter is going through her highest badge in Girl Scouts. Mm. You know, it's a, I don't know, a gold badge, whatever, the badge. Right. And she had to design a project. And the project she designed, she had to go through different approvals. I mean, it's a very well-organized program. But she designed a program where she would invite Olivers, which we call our participants, Olivers, and have them show, share their stories of resilience. Mm. So it's a six-week program. And uh, each week on Friday, 4.30 to 5.30, a senior is interviewed, 20 minutes of, uh, you know, interview and then questions and answered. Then they have a breakout program. But it's, so it's, it's beautiful for us to be able to share the stories. But the other beauty of the wisdom that I want to share with you, and this 15, 16-year-olds, I'm seeing so much wisdom. Right. And they're doing, using this Zoom technology, they're running this program, uh, they're sharing files, they're having breakout rooms, they have questions there. I mean, it's really very well organized. So wisdom exists at, at all ages. And, you know, so those, those are some of the things. And we are very much interested in the area that Phyllis is interested in as well. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, housing. You know, there comes time where we need to make a transition from our personal home to a community housing. What is that going to look like? You sure. Know, we talked about the greenhouse concept. And uh, uh, so I, I really feel that it's a blessing that Phyllis and I met. And that through Phyllis, I'm meeting people like yourself. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, you know, as you said, it's, it's those ripples that are beginning. And Absolutely. I'm definitely going to buy your book and possibly use it in the method that you are using Please, I will send you. Uh, I'll send you some information about how you can use it in in, in your that own would circles. Be great. Yes. Okay. Right. I, I will me, share let, it with our coordinators, and and we will. Yeah. We will use let, it. Jeff. Let me just say to you, to, to your listeners out there, if anyone's interested, Wisdom of Age is not just a book; it's a movement. Right. It's a movement to promote positive aging, and there anyone who's out there listening can be part of this movement. Uh, we're looking for people who, who become what we call wisdom warriors. We're looking for people who are become local thought leaders in their community. And we're looking for people to, to join the revolution to promote positive aging and eradicate ageism. There is no excuse for it. And it is too rampant, is more rampant than racism and sexism. And we are just hurting our future selves. You, everybody on this call can make a difference beginning with themselves. If I stop saying I'm having a senior moment, Correct. or when you get to be my age, or, you know, you look good for your age. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, oh. Want, I want to comment on that. Um, uh, I think I told you, Jeff, that I watched a, um, when I was doing um, research for my new book, which will be out in about a month or so. Um, I, I'm, the last chapter is on wisdom and aging. It's 
you know, uh, that's before you and I met and um, it's unconscious eldering and all of this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's this woman, she had, she uh, made a documentary. I think it's, uh, I think maybe it's on Facebook. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I forgot the name of it, but she went through how she decided to let her hair grow out. And uh, she did a documentary about this kind of thing, and, and her hair is very long. You see it's half gray and, and half a darker color. And I uh, looked at this, and I, I thought about it. And, um, you know, there, I think the um, anti-aging uh, cosmetic industry is over $200 billion yeah. in this yeah. country. And um, I, I really got to thinking about how it's all about erasing the appearance of your age, and so if you don't recognize the person's age, you're not going to recognize their wisdom. So in essence, aren't we both doing the same thing by erasing all, all um, appearances of a person's age? You're not going to recognize the wisdom that they have to offer. And one of our first guests, um, uh, Hugo Gerstel, do you remember? That was our yeah. first show, Rubina. Oh, and um, he said that he believes he's about 80 some odd years old, I think. And mm -hmm. um, he's written a couple of books. He's still a practicing attorney. And he had said that he believes, well, he was talking about from the male perspective that, that most men or people feel that they're kind of like in early adulthood on the inside, like maybe like thirties or something. Yeah. And um, I thought about that and, you know, it's it's true. When you ask people how old they feel, how old they feel, they say, oh, I feel young. I feel, you know, they, they have a, a glow about them when you ask them about their age. And I, as I expressed to you, I'm 67. And when I go into a nursing home, if I'm doing any work in a nursing home, and I encounter somebody who's in their 70s or 80s, and I say to them, I've said to many people, I'm, I'm nearer than further. They say, oh, how old are you? When I tell them how old I am, they say, you're a baby. You're just mm -hmm. a kid. So it, it's just what you say. It's all relative. And, and it's got me thinking very differently about myself. Right. You know, it's, it's, right. it's very true. But I think there are, there are gender-related perceptions as well. Mm -hmm. uh, a gray and a white hair for a man is very respectable. Right, distinguished, but, but for a woman, it's a different it's story. Wisdom, but for women, you know, I went through a similar story here during this COVID time. Right. And, and I was letting my hair grow, and it got whiter and whiter and whiter. And then in one of our olive meetings, one of the olivers said, um, you should restart coloring your hair because your skin still looks young. You know, uh -huh. I was fully prepared, but it's it's really you know g getting all these things correct in you know while uh, you know, so I I just want to say right. that you start dying it, right? so I just want to say before we sign off that I'm thinking of letting the gray grow out of my hair the gray grow in um, because I'm starting to think that. Um, what am I doing? Uh, you know, what am I hiding from, so to speak? I don't know if I'm a hundred percent there yet, but I'm getting closer. Mm -hmm. But um, we have to, well, we have to sign off. This has been so oh. terrific. What a spirited conversation. One second. I have to, I, I have to say if, if you, if you want, if anyone wants to purchase my book, oh, absolutely. Please, yes. please go to my website. The website is, is www.wisdomofage.net. Wisdomofage.net. And, uh, and purchase the book at the site and, 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 Take time to browse around because there are stories and videos of people of all of different generations 
learning about one another. And I, I think that there's a section on my website about grandparents. And so since this is a, a, a show on grandparents, I would encourage people to, to check that out. And I will share just a couple of quick things with you again. We're talking about, about uh, uh, age. Here's a comment that says, life is too short to be worried about the number on your driver's license or the number on the scale. Right. So, yes. I love you know, that. Yes. Well, yes. Well, anyway, the cover page of your book is just right. amazing. Oh, yes. Yes. So people yes. will have to go check it out. We're not going to tell them what it looks like. They'll have to go check it out. <laughs> okay. Uh, wisdom, wisdomofage.net. So yes. thanks, Jeff. This has been so terrific. What a great conversation. Thanks for thank you. joining us no, on thank you. Great Talk. And uh, there's so much to cover. I'm sure we'll have to have you back so we can continue this and find out about uh, how Olive is incorporating these programs yes. and, and how uh, the movement is growing. Right. So and, Rabina, I will be happy to send you information uh, oh, about the Senior that. Companion Program and about the uh, Wisdom Circles. Definitely. Great. I would love that. So I, I'd say to our listeners to please join us on our next episode of Senior State Straight Talk, where we'll have more informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. This is Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry signing off. And please remember to like, click, and share our episodes. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry, again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms.